pathway. Uh, for those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Tyler Blatz. I am the youth director here at Pathway. Um, you may have never met me before, or maybe it's been a long time and I've changed a lot since you've seen me, um, but I have a beard now. Uh, crazy. Anyways, uh, I do get sometimes a little bit nervous before I speak, so why don't we just pray beforehand and then we'll get into what I have for you guys today. Uh, dear Lord, we just thank you for today. Uh, Lord, we just pray that today um, you would speak to us uh, what you would have for us. Uh, would you just help us to uh, receive what you have for us and and know that everything in this book is is uh, is not written by human minds but by you. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for who you are and what you've done for us and what you give to us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Okay, so we are in our series, Sincerely John. Uh, Pastor Rob and Pastor Andrew have done First and Second John, and so today I'm going to be doing Third John with you. <clears throat> And I think that letters are super awesome. So 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, if you didn't know this, are actually letters written by the Apostle John uh, to certain individuals. And in the Bible, there are many different types of books. We have uh, narrative books, which is like a story, and you're trying to, and you, when you read a narrative book, you kind of want to find out the overall story and what is the author trying to communicate through the story. Uh, sometimes you might read a law book, and there's a lot of laws in there that you're not quite sure. Where do, these, where do these play uh, into my life? Are they applicable to me? Why are they written in here? Now, there are also poetry books, and poetry books uh, are more poetic in nature. They carry a lot more emotion into them. Uh, usually, when you read poetry, you read them two lines at a time. The first line and the second line will like copy each other, which is a really cool way to read them. Uh, and then there's prophecy uh, and, and uh, revelations, which is like apocalyptic literature. But uh, the one uh, book that we're going to be, the type of uh, book that we're looking at today is a letter. And so letters are not so unlike letters that we write today. Um, ancient letters usually included like a greeting, the name of a person who was writing it, and the name of who it was addressed to. It would have like a main body of text where you put all of your, your main information in, and then it would have a closing. So very similar to like a letter that we write today. Uh, and these, these letters were not usually super long uh, because paper then was not very easy to come by. Uh, letters were shorter in length. So usually it was like, like the books of 2nd and 3rd John are about 300 words each, which is typical of a letter in that time. So when you look at letters like uh, Paul's letters to Corinthians or Thessalonians or Colossians, you'll see that they're much longer texts. And those are not normal letters. Those are like extraordinary letters. Uh, but just because a letter is shorter, it doesn't mean that we should regard it less than some of the longer ones. Um, for like all letters, there's a reason behind why the author chose to write this letter. And before we begin reading about that, I recently took a course on how to interpret the Bible a little bit better. And there was a portion in there that I really appreciated and I thought applies to what we're going to be looking at today. So uh, it's just going to be something that I read to you guys. <clears throat> it's called How to Read a Love Letter or Email. So in April, Kevin and Whitney moved beyond being just friends and went out on their first real date. By mid-May, Kevin was thinking that this could be love. In June, however, before the couple had said anything specific to each other about the relationship, Whitney traveled to Ghana with other members of their church on a two-month mission trip to an isolated rural area that didn't have any email or phone service. Two weeks went by and Kevin didn't hear anything from Whitney. Finally, the team 
visited a city that had internet service, and the anxious Kevin got the precious email that he'd been longing for from Whitney. He may read it three or four times, but he is just beginning. To read it as accurately as he would like would require several dictionaries and a good deal of close work with a few experts of etymology and philology. However, he will do all right without them. He will ponder over the exact shade of meaning of every word, every comma. The email starts off with, hi, Kevin. What? He asks himself, is the exact significance of those words. Did she refrain from saying, dear Kevin, because she was bashful? Maybe she would have said hi, so-and-so, to anybody. A worried frown now appears on his face, but it disappears as soon as he really gets to thinking about the first sentence. She certainly wouldn't have written that to anybody. And so he works his way through the email, one moment perched blissfully on a cloud, the next moment huddled miserably behind an eight ball. It has started a hundred questions in his mind. He could quote it by heart. In fact, he will, to himself, for weeks to come. I just thought when I read that, that it was really cool because the Bible is like that. The Bible is like the inspired word of God for us. And if it's a love letter from him that tells us everything that we need to know about him, everything that we need to spend an eternity with him, do we read it like a letter from a loved one? Do we read it waiting on every word, trying to figure out the exact meaning? What did he mean when this was said? This doesn't quite make sense. How does that fit in with what he said over here? I just thought that was really cool. Uh, but so today we're going to be looking at 3 John, and we're going to be looking at it from that kind of perspective. Uh, 3 John is a letter that addresses the author as the elder, but it's been believed by from the early church that it was written by the Apostle John. And he writes to give this character named Gaius some important encouragement and guidance. And because letters are meant to be read all at once, uh, nobody takes a letter and reads like the third sentence into it. We're going to read the whole thing together. So we're going to read uh, 3rd John together, and once you have it, if you want to rise, something that we do to respect God's word, uh, we're going to read it together. <clears throat> the Elder. To my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. And not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. <clears throat> Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know their testimony is true. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. 
<clears throat> Thank you. You guys can have a seat. <clears throat> so three of some of the or three of the major themes that I find when I read when I read uh, first, second, and third John, um, and you've heard. Uh, them from Pastor Andrew and Pastor Rob previously. Uh, the first one is love. John always communicates his his, uh, his letters with a lot of love. Uh, he's also has a, there's also a strong focus on the truth. And what I'd like to present to you guys today, there's also a strong focus on walking in that truth. What do you do when you have it? And so we're going to be looking at the three characters that John kind of talks about in this letter. Those characters are Gaius, Diotrephes, and Demetrius. But before we get into that, I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story. Um, so in 2012, I had this opportunity to do an awesome thing called YWAM. Uh, I had a great experience with it. Uh, we also got to do a mission trip as part of it. And during that mission trip, we went to a, a country called Bangladesh. Not Bangladesh. Don't say Bangladesh. It's Bangladesh. Uh, and while we were there, we got to do a lot of really cool things. We went to this country. We got to witness to a lot of different people. Uh, we, we spent time with the street kids. You know, there was lots of things that we could do there. And the country is only like less than 1% Christian. So there's so much opportunity to share uh, the gospel. And there's so many people who wanted to hear it. And we went to a lot of different villages and just told them about who God was. It was a really cool experience. But I think that the thing that impacted me the most when I was there was the love of other Christians. It wouldn't have, like, when we went there and there's, the population is really less than 1% Christian. There isn't a lot of places for you to go uh, as a Christian uh, with brothers and sisters. Like for us to have gone there and not have had places to stay, not have had translators, not have had place, people to, to make us food, it would have been so hard for us to, to live life over there. But I do remember this one time after spending some time witnessing with some people, we were, we, um, were going to go to this Christian sanctuary in this one place. I don't know if sanctuary is the right word. It's this place where there are some Christians anyways. Uh, and we've been eating a lot of food, we've been eating a lot of rice, and a lot of goat, and a lot of eggs. And we've been eating it all with our hands, and uh, it, was, it, was, it was fine, we got used to it. But we were going to go there, and we were going to have pizza. And after three months of eating goat, pizza sounds really, really exciting. So we go there, and uh, we get there, and it's really surprising because we've just seen the Bangladeshi people everywhere. And now that, and we get to this place, and there's five Americans there, and they're speaking American. And uh, it was just a, it was just a strange, a strange place. There's Americans, there's pizza. We hadn't seen any of this for three months. It was like a mind blowing experience. Um, but we got to talk to these, to these missionaries that were there and they were about 50 or 60 years old. And they had been there for a long time already. And we were talking about just about life and, and they were telling us how they had grandchildren back in the States. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. Are you gonna go back to see them? And they were like, no, not, no, probably not. I was like, okay, that's, that's strange. And as we continued to talk, they just, they just felt like the Lord had called them to Bangladesh and they weren't going to leave unless he had called them out of it. In fact, they said <clears throat> that when they died, they were just going to get burned in the back probably because there's not a lot of place to, bur to bury people in Bangladesh. It's very overcrowded. Um, and they were content to work there until they died. And I just remember leaving that place <clears throat> and just on the way home, we're driving in the bus, and I just broke into tears. And I didn't understand why at first, but then it kind of hit me. Like, I had just been with people. Who had given up their lives. Water. 
<clears throat> and I realized what I probably would have to do for mine. I'd probably have to give mine own up as well. <clears throat> I think the thought had been in my mind before, but it just hit me as a reality in that moment. And so <clears throat> this is all just to say that there was Christians in this place and they were welcoming and they were hospitable. And they had given up their lives for the sake of Christ. It wasn't for their own gain, it was for, it was for who God was. And so now we're going to talk about this character, Gaius, because Gaius is kind of like these people. In verse 2 it says, John says to Gaius, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. John is praying for Gaius' personal physical health, but he's also praying for his spiritual health. And continued spiritual health is just as important, if not more important, than our physical health. And I think it would be scary to think sometimes if our spiritual health was represented in our physical bodies. Uh, I think we might, we might look at it a little bit differently. But Gaius is somebody um, who, who John cares about, and he's praying for his health, his physical and spiritual health, and he says, It gave me great joy when some believers came and they testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. And so Gaius isn't making a name for himself on purpose. He's just, he's living his life faithfully. And John has now heard of Gaius' faithfulness. And he's like, I've heard about you. That you take, that you're, um, that people are talking about your faithfulness to the truth. And for, and so like, and what do we mean by the truth? And Andrew did a great job of explaining the truth last week. Um, and I think it can be summarized best in John 3, verses 16 to 20. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because of their deeds are evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. And then he continues to say, Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on the way in a manner that honors God. So truth for these people would have been the Old Testament. They would have believed the Old Testament. They would have believed that it was true. They would have accepted the laws in the Old Testament. But they would have also believed in the person of Jesus Christ. And as a person who's Gaius, getting a letter from the Apostle John, who walked with Jesus, I can only imagine what it would have been like for him to get this letter. When we talked about this uh, lovesick Kevin, who was getting this letter from Whitney, and how he went over it and over it, I can just imagine how Gaius would have taken this letter and been like, oh, like, I'm nobody. I'm just here doing my work. And I, I just think it's so awesome. <clears throat> and you can see that as uh, that um, Gaius is living his life in this way. He's living in his, his life in a way that exemplifies what he knows. It's more than just doctrine to him. It's not just knowledge that he has in his head, but it's something that he lives out in his life. He's living in the light, not in the darkness. And another thing that is important to note in the... Um, John commends him on being hospitable to Christians. Uh, Christians relied heavily on the hospitality of other believers in that time because there, was, there wasn't a lot of them. And for them to continue their missionary work, they needed places to stay, they needed places to eat. 
And so the hospitality um, that Gaius was providing for these other believers was huge. And it was part of what they were doing. Although Gaius may not have been delivering the message, he was taking part in the same work that they were doing. <clears throat> then he continues in verse 7. It says, it was for the sake of the name that they went out. Not, not, not their own personal glory, but for the sake of Christ that they went out. Receiving no help from the pagans. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. I think it's so cool that they went out for the sake of the name. And like, there was different religions at the time, and some of those leaders would have accepted you know, stuff from, from other people, like from the public and at large, but Christians leaders didn't generally do that. They would, they would rely on other believers. <clears throat> okay, so that's Gaius. Sounds like a pretty cool guy. He is a pretty cool guy. John is, is, likes him a lot. Now we're going to talk about a guy named Diotrephes, the second character in this letter. And but Diotrephes is kind of a troublemaker, maybe even more than a troublemaker. And uh, before I tell you about Diotrephes, I'm going to tell you another story. So, <clears throat> uh, I often look back on my life and kind of see how God has been working in my life in different ways. And I am a child of the 90s. And anybody who grew up in the 90s knows that Saturday morning cartoons are on Saturday. And they are in the morning. And so I watched a lot of the Saturday morning cartoons uh, as a child. And I was greatly influenced by these Saturday morning cartoons. I grew up with the best cartoons ever. Batman, Spider-Man, Transformers, Power Rangers. Wasn't allowed to watch that one. Uh, <clears throat> and what always happens in these Saturday morning cartoons is that there's always this enemy, and he gets powerful, even more powerful. And then what happens, has to happen with the good guys is they also have to get more powerful. So like the Power Rangers will, will form the Megazord, and they'll defeat the enemy. And it's this whole leveling up kind of idea. And what happens when you give a seven-year-old boy robots and power and all these different things? Or like, what happens if you give a seven-year-old boy a karate movie? They will karate kick everybody. And so like, I remember going away from watching these cartoons and I would play with my sisters and I'd be like, some, some siblings might play like house together. We played Power Rangers. And so we would like empty the toy, toy chest. I'd be like wearing like a cape, like a blanket wrapped around my neck and I would like find their costume jewelry and I'd be wearing like their princess rings and I'd be like, this is the power of water. And I like their princess tiara, and like I'd be this all-powerful guy, just like, and this is imaginary, okay? And this is the imaginary fight that we were having, and I would get, and I would, and I would have to win because I was the oldest, and I would not allow them to win because I would, that doesn't work. I've seen the cartoons, I, I win. <clears throat> but I would often find myself at this place where they would end up winning, and I hated it. It sucked the worst because this is what would happen. I would get to my final level and have all the power and everything that they could do, I could just block. But then they would pray and they would say, I'm going to ask God to help me. And I was like, dang it, no. Because <laughs> like, I was young, I was seven years old, but there were some things that I did know. I couldn't be God and I couldn't fight God. And so there was a difference between where our powers were coming from. Mine was coming from the costume jewelry that I was wearing and my sister was praying to God. And we're going to see... Uh, a similar, Diotrephes is kind of like me and wanting all the power. Uh, but he does it in a different way. Uh, and before we get to that even, we're going to talk about James Warner Wallace. He's a Christian apologist. Uh, he came, through faith, came to faith through investigation. Uh, he's a detective. And in his investigations, he always states there's three motives to most crimes. It's either a desire for money, uh, for sex, or for power. And Andrew mentioned a lot of these last week in, in uh, 
in his sermon on truth in 2 John. So I encourage you to listen to last week's uh, sermon if you haven't already. Uh, and just to get an idea of who you should avoid and who might have ulterior motives. But the same thing is here, here is happening in John's warning to Gaius about Diotrephes. In verse 9 it says this, I wrote to the church by Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. John has attempted to write to this church. He's, he's attempted to confront Diotrephes, but Diotrephes is not going to take it. He doesn't want to hear it, which is saying something because John was an apostle. He walked with Jesus, and Diotrephes is like, nope, I'm better. It's a pretty, it's a pretty bold statement. And so John continues, and he says, So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. And not even satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. So this guy is on a power trip. He, he wants to be the top. He's not going to welcome other believers. And even the ones that are like, hey, we should probably let them in. He's like, nope, you're out too. He's, 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 he, wants, he desires himself first, which is completely opposite from what we see from Gaius and the other believers that are following him or that are, that are visiting Gaius and going out and spreading the message in the sake, for the sake of the name, not for themselves, but for Christ. So we see a polar opposite. John is making this distinction between the two people. And for I know for myself, like, um, like John is making the statement, he's going he's gonna to bring up a charge against Diotrephes. And like, I know I'm not a super confrontational person. Confrontation is not super easy for me. And like, especially like when I hear somebody saying something that's not quite right, like I can say, no, that's not right. But sometimes it's more difficult to go to that person and have a discussion about it. And I think before we write somebody off, let's, you know, somebody who we don't agree with, I think there's three important things that we need to do that John kind of exemplifies in this area. And the first thing is, is to see if they're willing to talk. Uh, John sent a letter to the church, but Diotrephes kind of refused. So is there an unwillingness when you're confronted by others? And on the other side, are we willing to confront them instead of just write them off? Are we willing to like go to them out of love and say like, "Hey, I know that you were saying this kind of stuff. Uh, can we talk about it? Like, where do you find this kind of stuff? Like, how? Let's talk through it. Is there a willingness for that? Second thing that I think is important is what is their doctrine? Is what they're telling you the truth, like the actual truth? And in order to know if they're telling you the truth, you also have to know the truth, which means you have to study the word. I know that Andrew last week he made he made a an emphasis on doing more than just reading the Bible. Sometimes sometimes it's required. You need to study it uh, to know what it says and know what it means. Even if even the challenging parts. <clears throat> but if we don't know the truth, but and say we or it's it'll if we don't know our Bibles well, it'll be easy for us to be deceived. Um, if we, if we go to, to a, a church on Sunday and just accept what the pastor says or the person who's standing on the stage says, it's, it's, it's a dangerous position because you yourself are going to be accountable to God in the end. And you have to know the truth for yourself to know whether they're telling you the truth or not. And the third thing I think you need to find out is does their life reflect what they preach? So we don't know what Diotrephes was preaching. He could have had a, a pretty good message. I mean, he was kicking people out of the church and refusing some others, so he must have had a higher position. He must have gotten there somehow. They might, he might have been popular in some ways. I don't know. But what we do know is that he didn't exemplify a life that, that followed the truth. He didn't live that kind of life. 
So we've talked about Gaius, we've talked about Diotrephes, and now we're going to talk a little bit about Demetrius. So Demetrius, uh, John doesn't talk a lot about, but he does mention him. And he says, Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil is not, has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. So John does something where he warns Gaius about this teacher that's kind of iffy, or not just iffy, he's, like, he's doing things that are not right. But then he points to somebody that is doing what is right. And not just because uh, he's doing it on the testimony of themselves and others. This person has, um, has built up a good reputation around themselves from others. And I think that's super important. Um, we in the church, instead of just pointing fingers at what is bad, we need to point to those who are doing what is good, what is admirable, who are the people that we know um, live their life in accordance to the truth. I know that today I'm standing here because of people like Demetrius. I know I've had parents, I've had siblings, uh, I've had friends, I've had youth, youth leaders, I've had older brother figures, older father figures. It's crazy when you look back and you kind of just see the people that God has put into your life to point you towards the truth. And if you're listening today and you, and you, have, and you feel a desire towards God, just know that he's speaking to you as well. And it matters to have, we need to have those people in our lives because it doesn't take us very long to be influenced by other things. I mean, if you spend your time with friends that, you know, don't take speaking coarsely, or let's say they, they tell very rude jokes or inappropriate jokes all day long, you might be tempted to laugh along with them. You might be tempted to, to join in with them. How long does it take for us to watch a show that we know we shouldn't really be watching, but then say, okay, I know this isn't the right show, but I've already watched half of it, so I should just watch the rest of it. It's kind of easy to be influenced by the things that we do. And so we need people like Demetrius. We need, as the church body, to point each other towards people who have good reputations, to spend time with them, to, to learn from them. And so as we've gone through these, these three characters, I think it's important to ask ourselves, like, which one do we relate to the most? Are we a Gaius? Would, some, would, would, would someone say that we are reliable, trustworthy, and walking in the truth? We've made it more than just a head knowledge. We've made it a part of our life. Would people say that we're like a Diotrephes, attempting to be the most powerful? I mean, not most powerful, that was me. Uh, just put himself first. Desiring control. I think that one, we kind of sometimes we have to pause and think about it, because if I'm being honest, I've been a Diotrephes. You've heard me be a Diotrephes when I was seven. Um, but even times when I feel like my life is out of control and I feel like I have to put things back together, then I'm putting myself in the, in the driver's seat, and I shouldn't. I think it's easy to find ourselves in that position unintentionally. Or are you an example like Demetrius? Well, some, would someone say of you that you are trustworthy and they would send people to you to learn more? How are you walking in the truth? How have you taken what you've learned, what you've known, and applied it to your life? I know COVID-19 has been a weird time. A lot of us have been away from each other for like an extended period of time. Um, and so, and it hasn't necessarily all been a bad thing. There's been a lot of good things that have come from COVID-19, well, from the social distancing and the staying at home a little bit more. I know a lot of families have taken advantage of the family time that they've gotten to spend together. Some people have taken up hobbies and all that kind of stuff, and that's been great. 
And we even had a great opportunity to like listen to like a lot of cool speakers and stuff because we have all day. Like I, I don't know if about you guys, but sometimes I'll put on a preacher, like somebody that I really enjoy, like Ravi Zacharias, and I'll listen for like an entire day's worth. And that's great. Uh, it's important that we fill ourselves up with good things, but we also need to walk that faith out. Uh, and because we've been away from each other, maybe we haven't had that same opportunity or we don't feel like we've had that opportunity to, to live out our faith as much, or we need to. And so I'd like to suggest a couple of practical ways that we could probably do this. Uh, as you all know, this is our last pre-recorded service. Next Sunday, we're going to be meeting in church again, which is super exciting. Um, but that being said, the church needs a lot of help to keep everything going. We have a lot of different programs, and you know, if you're if you'd like, if you are looking for a way to walk it in your faith, I would suggest volunteering for something. I know that the child, the kids ministry coming up is going to need help. The youth ministry uh, will need some help, uh, but also we have the men's ministry, the ushering ministry, the worship ministry. There's so many different places that you can plug in. If you feel like you know you've had a lot of good doctrine and it's time for you to like to start living that out, I, said, I would say feel free to start volunteering. And Andrew Sherman is the best guy to contact for that. He would love to hear from you. Or you can talk to whoever is in charge uh, of this, those ministries. If you're interested in the youth ministry, talk to me. Um, another way would be like the people who were visiting Gaius. If, you, if your call is to minister to people, to present the gospel to people, uh, I would say find effective ways to do that. Uh, maybe that's collecting backpacks full of supplies for the homeless people in Winnipeg. Um, maybe it's finding, collecting food for the for the for the food cupboard here, or or volunteering at uh, what's it called um, Central Station. Central Station. <clears throat> um, and even if you're like you're not sure about those things, and you're like, I don't know how to start those things. I don't know where to go in those things. Join in with a fellow believer. You know how. Um, John recommends Demetrius. Demetrius is a great guy. People say that he's great. You know, like he's doing good things. He's walking in the truth. Find somebody who's doing something awesome and ask if you can join them. It doesn't have to be all on you to do everything. And I think the most important thing to remember in all of this is that it wasn't for their own sake that they did these things. It wasn't so that they would become better or become worse, but it was for the sake of the name that they went out, the sake of Christ. They were humbled like Christ was. Um, and they sought to serve. The letter ends by saying this, I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face, which is pretty typical. I mean, I text that to people all the time. This has been great texting this way, but I want to see you face to face. And while it would be, would be awesome for us to know what that conversation was, I wish that we had more Third John. We don't. We have that much of it. Uh, and it's a short letter, but it's a letter that has a lot of meaning and a lot of impact. And if you're somebody who's new to reading the Bible or you haven't read as much of the Bible, maybe start with a, with a small book. Like Third John is three, less than 300 words. It's, it'll make you feel like you've accomplished something great because you've read an entire book. Um, but yeah, that is what I have for you guys today. How about we have a word of prayer and then we'll dismiss. Dear Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you for today. Uh, Lord, we just pray that as we learn more about you as we seek you, Lord, that you would fill up who we are, that you would make us humble uh, enough to know that it is not about us. Lord, you gave up your life so that we would be saved. Would you help us to be able to give up our lives as well for you? 
Uh, Lord, we just pray that as we go in our days, um, that you would help us to walk out our faith, walk in the truth, and that it wouldn't just be a head knowledge. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are and how you love us and everything that you've done for us. We pray this in your name. Amen.